Hello, everybody. Welcome to Deeper, our DCC Midweek Podcast. We're so excited to have you tonight. Welcome aboard. We are. I am joined here tonight with Jacob and Nikki, um, and we are really looking forward to having this conversation. I think that you guys are going to truly enjoy what we're going to be talking about tonight. Before we get started, though, uh, business matters first. Go ahead and uh, click like. Share this podcast on your social media platforms. Um, also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can get notifications of when new videos and new podcasts are posted to our channel. Also, uh, go ahead and um, rate us on your on your favorite podcast platform. We really appreciate um, really appreciate your support. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Um, there, so this conversation that we're going to be having. Chris talked on Sunday about um, activating your faith. And I feel like we should probably first talk about like what that actually means. Um, because um, when we talk about activating your faith, does it mean that, you know, if you were born again, that in order to be saved, you have to activate your faith? Or what does that actually look like? So, Jake, I want to start off with you. All when right. you hear the term activate your faith, what does that mean? What do you think about that? So I think the biggest thing is like, you know, because I struggled with it, you know, because we're we're supposed to be believing and trusting in God. Right. But then we end up getting stuck in a position where we see the circumstance that we're in. Like, you know, like I said, if there's an illness that we're battling, yeah, we're, we're trusting in God. But then we're still in our own way trying to figure out the solution. You know what I mean? So the biggest thing is like activating our faith and and that is just like god how do you see it you know how should i see it if you see it this way how should i see it so then i get to the point where i'm like maybe i should just start believing that it's already done you know it's it's already done because it was done the moment i gave my life to christ um so it's just yeah so it's just like just giving it to him right away i'm not pondering on it because i begin to ponder on it i begin to give myself doubt and I just I, I begin to drift away from his promises. Mm. So it's like the biggest thing is trusting in his promises and moving along in it and pretty much just giving it, you know, giving it to him and see what, you know, yeah. see what he has to do with it. Because, I mean, if, if he could show me the glimpse, you know, the glimpse that he sees in my, you know, my leg or my body that is injured, if he can show me the glimpse of what the way he sees it, then I begin to see it through his lens you know what i mean so it's like you know the same thing with adam and eve when adam and eve you know when they ate from the fruit they had this you know like they, they didn't have the supernatural vision anymore you know what i mean so it's like we you know and with jesus coming all you know we we began to get the natural the, the natural with our supernatural you know and um begin to see what god has in store for that so yeah i appreciate you sharing that it's almost like Activating your faith is almost like using that mustard seed that yeah. Chris had also talked about, right? Like mm -hmm. um, Jesus had talked about in the Bible where e with faith, even as small as a mustard seed, anything is still possible. Yeah. Activating your faith could very well just be like, it's not activating faith for salvation, but it's activating faith in circumstances or trials or tribulations yeah. that you may face or encounter in your life to be able to stay focused on God and also um, fight through different battles, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Nikki, do you have any thoughts on that at all? 
kind of the, along the same lines as what you said. It's like partnering my thoughts, my words with what God's word said, what, God, bleh, what God's word says and his truth. Like, does it align with that? Like, God, what do you have to say about this? Mm-hmm. You know, instead of looking at circumstances and such. And so it's the same thing like with my kid, you know, Christy had had a headache, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Christy had a headache putting the kids to bed. I was, I think I was probably out working or something like that night. And, you know, Christy had this headache and Jay, my youngest one was like, uh, mom, you know, mom, mom trying to get his attention, trying to get her attention. And she's like, what, what do you want? You know? And, he goes, um, let's pray over your headache right now. You know, like, but the thing was is because Christy realized she had a headache, Jacob didn't. And Jacob realized, but he didn't acknowledge it as a headache. He's like, mm-hmm. God, you know, like, heal my mom right now in the name of Jesus. So it's like mm-hmm. immediately took it into an effect with no doubt. You know, no mm-hmm. no doubt setting in. Nothing that is um, nothing that is hindering, you know, like, he's not discouraged. He's not set in fear. You know, he doesn't have any unbelief. So immediately igniting the promises that he's mm-hmm. taught about Jesus and igniting those immediately to my to my wife's head and automatically seeing a healing. And she walked out of the room. And she's like, she called me and she goes, Jay prayed for me. She goes, as I was walking out, my headache was gone. Like I was trying to figure out if I still had a headache. And I was like, you know, but the thing is, is like out of the mouth of babes. Right. We've yeah, we, yeah. we seen that with um with the Edmonds kid. You know, we we, we um. I guess one of the Edmonds kids had got hurt or on the way to the hospital and he just started crying out to God and he's like, heal me right now. So the moment that he said, heal me right now, he had already received it because the healing was his. He just, he like, as as he received on the way to the hospital, he gets to the hospital and they're like, oh, you know, he's perfectly fine. But I think if he wouldn't have went in that mindset and he would have cried all the way there without, without God's word, you know, without feeding in that pain, with God's word, if he would have went straight with that pain and, you know, and not, not over, not overpowering it with God's word. And he would have probably found out that he had a broken bone or something could have really been, um, could could have really went in another direction. So yeah, it's just like that, you know, that faith as a mustard seed, but also that childlike faith, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Out of the mouth of babes, you know, they're going to speak this stuff. And if we don't line up with what they're doing, like, you know, like now, you know, the same thing with my kid. You know, he, um, I have, you know, I, I struggle with pancreatitis and, you know, and he's jumped out of his bunk bed, you know, as I'm putting it, I'm trying to put them to bed, but he jumps out of my, he jumps out of the bunk bed and he puts his hand on my belly and he's like, father God heal my dad with his stomach right now. And mm-hmm. I, I literally broke down in tears because <laughs> like on a, a couple occasions I received healing and he said, dad, I didn't heal. Right. And I said, no, but the father, I like, but the father worked through you, you know, Jesus worked through you. And he goes, oh, he goes, um, so we, we always just talk about like, how do you ignite that? How do you, how do you give your children, you know, because that's mm-hmm. where it has to start. It, I mean, they're the next generation. So if we're, if the kids are not being taught that some of these kids don't even know what Jesus is, you know what I mean? So it's like, so I, I tell my kids, it's like, it's almost like a glow stick. How does it glow? And he goes, you got to break it. Okay. So you got to acknowledge that Jesus body was broken for us. And now he's able to shine through us. So I grabbed a glass, you know, like I visualized, I told him, visualize me grabbing a glass of water, grabbing this, you know, this glow stick that now glows. We're the water and we just put it into the glow stick. We shut off the lights. 
that water, you know, that that glow stick through that water is going to illuminate. Mm-hmm. Like that's the way the father needs to work through us on every situation, every yeah. circumstance. So that's, you know, um, because, yeah. Sorry, you, um, you got anything to say on that? No, it's good. I feel like yeah. it's just so simple. Yeah. It's so yeah. simple. Yeah, it it's, is. And, it, and we complicate and it's, it. Yeah, we do because we get in the mindset like I was at the grocery store the other day and there was a guy that I looked at and you can tell, you know, I mean, he probably was paralyzed on the side of his face or something. And I felt bad because like I asked God, like, what do I do with that? Well, he goes, how do you see him? And I was like, well, I, you know, I see that he needs prayer. Oh, so you don't receive, you don't, you don't see him the way I've already created him. So in wholeness, so if you can't see past the illness, you can't see past the pain that this guy is going through and you only see into the pain, you've already gave yourself doubt. So now you got to ask God, like, you know, I still wanted to pray for him, but he didn't, he didn't receive, he didn't want to receive prayer, but still it's like, I still wanted to pray for him, but I was already battling this thought within myself Mm -hmm. and like, or the same way, you know, I mean, the same way with, you know, how did Jesus do it? Jesus went into the tomb, you know, he went into the tomb where Lazarus was. Everybody else saw Lazarus dead. Everybody saw him dead. Everybody acknowledged he was dead. He was dead for four days. Yeah. You know, he went in there. He didn't acknowledge he was dead. He acknowledged he was asleep. Mm-hmm. So he goes in there. He's like, hey, buddy, get up. You know, pretty much. You know what I mean? But that, that was the mindset of Jesus. Mm-hmm. The, you know, he wept because he knew that he had been sleeping for four days. Yeah. Outside yep. of his presence. So all he did is like he wept on the way there. Like as, as you read into the story, and I, I shared it with my kids, he wept on the way there, or you know, coming up to that point. But then immediately he's like, "I gotta get out of this self doubt." I mean, he's human. Jesus is human. You know what I mean? He's human, and he's oh sorry, <laughs> I burped. <laughs> he he's human, but he's um he's fully God, fully man, fully God, right? Yeah. So he went in there and immediately said, "Get up." And he goes, hey, start taking this stuff off of him mm-hmm. because this man is very much alive. The mm-hmm. same with the 12 year old little girl. He goes in there and says, wake up. I mean, these people are like making fun of him. You know what I mean? On the backside, they're, they're making fun of him because they don't see the way he sees. They don't know the way he knows. You know, that same thing. Like we got to be willing to see people that are struggling or see people like ourselves. You know, we got to see maybe our, ourselves, you know, like if we see like, you know, somebody, you know, somebody has some type of illness, right? I'm not going to call anything out, but if you see somebody with an illness, an illness that we know that, you know, attends our church, begin to see them without it. Begin to see them in the wholeness that they have because that's the way it's created. And if you can see that, then you can allow the, the manifestation of the Lord work through you because you see it the way Jesus sees it. Mm-hmm. If you're seeing it in doubt, then you're no longer seeing it the way Jesus sees it. So then now you're contradicting yourself. So, you know, and that's the biggest thing was like, you know, was, the biggest thing was with, um, you know, like the faith, you talk about the faith of the mustard seed and stuff like that. It's like believing him at his word immediately and consistent faith, right? Focusing on the wholeness and the goodness of God, using the faith of a mustard seed that can move the mountain. The mountain is not this big old thing that we see. The mountain can be very small. Yeah. But we see it very big. I remember my brother had called me and I had just became a believer and I was sitting there and I was praying, you know, it was in the middle of the night and he called me and he goes, Hey bro. He goes, man, he goes, I see that I'm facing these giants, bro. Like, you know, and, and I was like, I, I see myself facing these giants and I'm sitting there and I'm praying. And I said, Sam, I was like, pick up your head. I was like, 
you only see them like giants because you can't stand up to them. They're actually really small. So the moment he was able to pick up his head, I was like, now who's bigger? Like, who's bigger? It's like, and at that point, you know, he was able to be like, man, bro. Like, you know, so like to him, it was able to break that ice, you know what I mean? Break that mountain down. And he realized that he was more powerful than these giants that he was facing, you know, in the circumstance that he was in. Yeah. Um, um, so. Jacob, real quick before um, before we continue on, I just wanted to, um, I, I want to kind of switch gears for just a second. And um, you had talked about doubt and unbelief, and so did Nikki. Um, so I kind of wanted to start there for just a second because I feel like uh, foundationally, let's talk about this first and then we can move on into even like sharing some more testimonies and different things like that. Um, so Hebrews chapter four, um, I'm reading from the, the Passion Translation. It says in there, um, God has offered us, this is uh, Hebrews chapter four, verse one. God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting and confident faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. And further down, um, he also says in Hebrews chapter four, verse three, it says, for those of us who believe Faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. Um, I feel like maybe it, maybe it's just me, but I feel like, and maybe Nikki, you could also attest to this too, but um, what exactly does resting in God look like? Because I'm a wife and I'm a mother and resting to me in my natural mind means sleeping mm -hmm. but that's not what resting and confident faith actually means right and so nikki what would you say resting in confident faith what do you think that that like how would you describe that to somebody who may not actually know what resting in god actually looks like mm. well i can i feel like god took me through that too because he would say rest in me and people would be like just rest i'm like what does that mean what does that mean and I feel like he just showed me, like, just rest in who I am. Rest in who I am. Like, I'm your provider. I'm, you know, I'm your healer. I'm all of these things. Like, resting in who he is and continually going to God's word and what he, and what he says, you know. And what are those promises that are, are in his word and, go, and resting in that those are true, like, that is for me type of thing. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I appreciate you sharing that too, because I feel like confident faith, sometimes my faith is the size of a mustard seed and it's not confident. It's, mm -hmm. it's a, it's, it's the smallest, <laughs> smallest little seed. And like, Lord, I will, I've got this much faith and I'll believe when I see mm -hmm. not, I believe because you are. Right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, so I, I'll feed onto that a little bit. So I was told one time you're in this chair or you're on this foundation. Right. We're, we're, we're standing on this foundation. Mm -hmm. At any point do we feel like this foundation is going to fall from under us, fall from under us. Do we, we do we feel like that, like the floor is going to fall from under us? No, probably not. You know, um, do you feel like you're safe in that chair? The chair that you're sitting in. Right. Yeah. So if I put all my weight on my chair, 
I put all my weight in my chair. Do I have confidence that my chair is going to hold me up? That's how we have to mm-hmm. rest. Yeah. That's how we have to rest in his love. I mean, under anything, like even if you got to go sit on the couch, you know what I mean? I've done that where I walked in, I was working third shift. I'd walk in and I'm like, God, I just need your presence right now. And I just, I would just drop on the couch and I, you know I mean? I was really from the way that I was from the moment that I lost my mother at the age of 16, I was very confused. I allowed a lot of lies to fill myself, you know, to fill my life in. So when as as I be as I become as a you know renewed as I become renewed in the in the newness of of Christ, I had to rest a lot. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't so much, you know. This is what the guy told me. Um, I was working third shift with him, and he said, "Jacob, he goes, I'm taking a nap right now. I I don't feel like these legs off this chair is gonna break. That's how you need to rest." So I mm-hmm. I took it with me. I mean that little nugget. I mean it's been almost twelve years. You know what I mean? So it's like. A lot of times we just need to like if you know we're standing in the room you know arguing with kids or you know like trying to get the kids to bed we you know like i tell my wife like if i get home and i see that she's struggling like just go to the room yeah you know like and she'll go to the room she'll do whatever she needs to do to calm her mind you know and a lot of times you know because of y'all women you know how it is to raise kids it you know you know we always say oh you know we we got the worst job no but you guys actually have the worst job because it's like Y'all, y'all with them more often than we are, you know, than us men. So it's like, I go in there, I'm just like, just go to the room. I could tell that she needs to go to the room or just go to herself. And then I take over on bedtime or I take over on, you know, getting things um, tightened up for her, for me and her to have a conversation. But a lot of times she'll go to the room. If she's crying, reading, whatever, she falls asleep. And I leave her alone. Mm-hmm. Because... She found her rest. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It wasn't the way that I acknowledged it. It wasn't the way I expected it. But she found herself. You know, in the morning, you know, like I said, it's joy. You know, joy, you wake up in the morning, you got joy. You know what I mean? Or, I mean, most of our kids, it's almost like Christmas morning. You know what I mean? Like, if they wake up and they realize they, they were able to sneak into our beds and sleep in our beds, and we start picking on them about it, and be like, yeah, I fell asleep because they realize that they got the comfort of our family that is surrounded by the goodness of God. Cause every night, I mean, our kids do these little podcast things, um, you know, that, that they listen to and, you know, so they, they fall asleep with it. So they wake up with that type of energy. You know, we always speak that, but yeah, the biggest thing is like, I think the rest is a situation that we're in. I mean, it, it, like sometimes I'll get a bad phone call from a client and if I got to go to this client's house, I just, park on the side of the road i'm just like god like man lead me to this next client and i get over there and it's not as bad yeah you know it's just a misunderstanding you know um and at that point you know me and the client kick it off or i just say hey you know what i feel it's safe for me to you know here goes a check this is what you paid me this is the work i've done but i'll give you all your check back because i'm not this headache is not worth it you know what i mean it's ideal you know yeah um just because I'm not willing to carry that on, that's a lot of weight, a lot of, you know, that becomes a burden, you know what I mean, when you can't get get past certain people, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, one other thing in in line with um, the promise of rest that, that Hebrews is talking about here, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8 says, if this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the promised land, 
God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest that was still yet to come. So we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience. And I thought this was interesting that Joshua is mentioned here in the book of Hebrews because we know in the story of the Israelites that um, it was roughly 20-some years after the Israelites escaped slavery in Egypt that they came to where the promised land was going to be. And, and it was the land of milk and honey that God had promised them. And so instead of just, you know, marching right across the Jordan River into the promised land, celebrating that they'd finally arrived and they were here, the promise is here, they decided that they were going to scope the place out first. So they go ahead and they send 12, 12 people into the promised land to scope the place out and look look for it and see if there's any, you know, giants yet to overcome or mountains to move or whatever that may be. And they all came back and Joshua and Caleb were the two that said, this is the promised land. God's giving it to us. We can just take it. And 10 of those 12 changed an entire generation of people and said, we can't because they're too big. They're They're going to overcome us. They're going to overpower us. They're going to kill us and nobody will be left in, in this land. So I find it interesting that um, Hebrews is talking about if rest was only one time and it was done, God wouldn't have spoken about a confident faith being equal to resting in him um, because it would have been completed when they entered, when Joshua and Caleb saw them through the through that and so the only thing that i want to um that i just want to touch on in this in this case is it goes on to say as we enter into god's faith rest life we cease from our own works just as god celebrates his finished work and i thought that this was really interesting because um how many times when we are facing situations, whether that be sickness or trial or, or you know, circumstances that can be heartbreaking or challenging or whatever, how many times do we think we need to go do something about it instead of first resting in God's promise to us versus in his completed finished work? So my, all of this, just to ask both of you, is there a time in your life that you have experienced where you have found yourself challenged to be able to um, rest in the promises of God and not feel like you have to go do something about your situation? And what did that look like for you? Do you have anything, Jacob? Or do you have anything, Nikki? Ahead, well, Nikki. I'm th- thinking I'm thinking of like things that I guess were spoken over me in my life and seeing that they're not happening and wondering like why are that why are they not being fulfilled? And you know, thinking like, okay, I'm going to try to make them happen and I'm going to go do this and and then it never works and um it's resting in like all right lord like you said it i have to believe that 
you're going to fulfill your word and it's not my timing, it's your timing. And just, I guess, resting in that and not trying to make, you know, whatever it is come to fruition, I guess. Yeah. What do you think, Jacob? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So, um, you know, like I said, as as we're, you know, I, I think of situations in my life, right? I was, you know, I was stuck in a situation where I had to make a choice, right, for my family. Um, and I ver- I heard it very loud and clear from the Lord. It was called my Ezekiel moment, right? Like, because I heard it from the Lord and the Lord said, say this, right? So I said it in the middle of me working. But then it, it came to pass. But then as we were stuck in this situation, it became to, because I took, oh, you know, I took so much of what Jesus or what the, what I felt the Holy Spirit had told me, I took that into consideration. But then all of my own like guy thing, like, you know, hey, I'm supposed to get, you know, keep this afloat, you know, so like my biggest thing. So I, I slowly began to take God out of the picture mm-hmm. and I began to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And I it almost like my Nebuchadnezzar moment, you know, <laughs> God dropped me right where I was. And said, where am I? So it's like, I had to not so much regain like the trust, but it was more just be settled. I had to be settled in his promises. So it's like, you know, I, I, yes, I ended up getting into this situation, brought my family into this big old situation. This, you know, and it, it ended up working well, but because God was no longer in the picture, like, I started saying, oh, you know, this is what I did or this is me, stuff like that. This is, but then all of a sudden it's like, God says, if this is you, then where am I? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and things start going wrong. Mm-hmm. So then at that point, um, you know, God ended up making a change. Absolutely. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, but then, um, you know, there was a situation too. Like when I first got saved, I didn't know what it was to be saved. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've heard about it. You know, I grew up with, you know, in the church. And, yeah, every Sunday, you know, I'd raise my hand to get salvation. But it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, when I got saved in 2012, January 9th of 2012, um, I ended up, like, knowing that I knew. Like, I never had to ask God to receive me into his kingdom type knowing. You know what I mean? But then... February 26th came around and I got baptized, right? And as I'm like walking up to get baptized, um, I'm going up these steps, you know, where the, you know, where the tub was to get baptized or whatever. And then all of a sudden, well, here goes nothing, you know, same my old me, you know? And I was like, well, here goes nothing. And as soon as I was about to walk in the water, I felt the Holy Spirit said, if this is nothing, then what are you putting in the water? Mm. I was like, dang. So I, I literally like I stepped back and the pastor's like, hey, come on, come on. You know, and I'm like, here goes everything. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what everything looked like. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I said, here goes everything. As I was walking in, I felt layers and layers of layers of lies. I felt layers and layers and layers of doubt and condemnation break off as I walked in. So once I got in there, Father God, here goes everything. You know what I mean? And I didn't know what everything looked like. 
I wasn't married. I didn't have my, I didn't even have my daughter with me, mm-hmm. you know, because I was dealing with, you know, um, cases that I had got previously. I was still, I was still on probation, still a felon on the run, you know, but it's like, I still needed that. You know, I still, I still, I found my first love type deal. Right. Yeah. I found my first love with, um, with the Holy spirit. And as I started getting up, it's like, I started remembering drug addictions. You know, I started remembering, um, you know, um, generational curses. You know, those are all things that God said I would cut off with you. You know what I mean? And it's hard because, like, I just, you know, my niece just passed away, right? And she got, you know, she ended up having a a terminal illness, which was, you know, the same cancer, the same kind of cancer that has been on for generations. But it's like I didn't see that come to pass, but I still have to keep trusting because God said, you know, gener- generational curses will be broken. You know what I mean? So it's like I got to stand on that word. I got to stand and believe in him. I didn't see it come to pass, but I stay trusting. The biggest thing is stay trusting because if you start giving doubt, like, oh, if it didn't happen for her, then, you know, I guess it's still around, you know. But yeah. don't give, don't give, like I say, don't give the enemy a footstool because then it'll become a foothold. Yeah. You know? Yeah. foothold and it's like a guy you know like a guy when he's climbing a mountain you know the guy's climbing a mountain you know he gets stuck in a position where he can't get his foot in he can't get that foothold but the moment he does it becomes a stronghold yeah that's the same thing that you know like if you start giving this doubt the enemy will begin to give this this foothold mm-hmm. make it a stronghold yeah and i like that i like what you're saying right now because um chris did happen to mention in his message um about the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. And he goes about like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Yep. It's not that we will be devoured, but that we could. Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? How how would Satan do that? Like yep. we know that he's the father of all lies and all of his schemes Resources and themes are, are all lies, right? Yep. And so if we know that, um, it's so interesting to me how he can disguise himself almost to the point of sounding wise at times, mm-hmm. like fear will sound like wisdom sometimes or yeah. doubt and unbelief sounds like it's a really good, I'm just, I'm just protecting myself and my family and my friends and my reputation. And th- like it can disguise itself that way sometimes and mm-hmm. how easily, yeah. how easily we can fall into those traps. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious. Um, feel free feel free to not share if you don't want to at all. But I'm just wondering, like I can share a testimony of myself, but I'm wondering from the two of you, has there ever been a time where Satan, you were believing a lie, but you didn't know it was a lie until God showed you that it was a lie. And like, what, what happened with that? For for me, I'll just give a small, quick little example for myself. Um, I was going to be speaking at the women's uh, Christmas tea last December. And I knew that. So as God does with me, most times is when I'm going to speak publicly, he doesn't really give me a message. He gives me like one or two Bible verses and then that's it. And then I just have to rely on him to speak through me the, the day park, of. Right. right? Yeah. And so it's, it's the morning of it's a Sunday morning and we come to church and my stomach is just in knots and I am not feeling the greatest. I'm, 
really concerned that if I even eat anything, I'm either going to be in the bathroom the whole entire service or I'm not even going to be able to go. And what happens if I do decide to have some food because I'm starving at this point, but I'm literally the, the wisdom, the lie of wisdom that I was believing was that I was protecting myself from eating anything because then I was not going to suffer any consequences with my stomach being so upset. Made it through all of service and I'm still, my stomach is so upset. And after church, I decided that I was just going to get my husband and my son something to, to eat for lunch. And I'm sitting in the drive-thru at Jimmy John's and I'm like, man, I really want to eat. And I had had this dream the night before about this, about this lie that I was believing. And it was this evil spirit in my dream. And I, man, I chopped that head off and man, I was so victorious. And I was sitting in this, in this parking, in this drive-thru at Jimmy John's and, and God said, Hannah, you, man, you kicked some butt in your dream last night. I'm like, yeah, I slayed that dragon. I was, you know, feeling all powerful. And he was like, yeah, Hannah, you defeated the lie in your dream. But why are you partnering with that same spirit right now? Aren't you hungry? And I just, ooh, what, Lord? No, this is wisdom. Like, I'm having this conversation. Like, this is wisdom, Lord. Like, I can't eat because I have a speaking thing that I'm supposed to do. He's like, have I not? Have I not redeemed you? And so, so you're embedded in a lie, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, okay, I throw my hands up. Like it reminded me of that verse in the Bible where it says something like, why are you calling unclean what I've called clean? Because God is telling Paul to eat some food during Passover that he's not supposed to be eating. And I'm just yeah. like, okay, Lord, I'll go ahead and eat it. And I ate it. And that wow. feeling finally went away. Like that sickness feeling finally went away. But it was. I was partnering with that wrong spirit. So I'm just wondering if either of you have ever believed a lie and didn't realize it was a lie until God showed you that it was. And what did that, what did that experience do for your faith? Um, yeah, but it don't fall under the same circumstances <laughs> where you were at. You okay. know what I mean? Um, <laughs> all right. So we struggled you know, in my childhood, I struggled with, um, like physical abuse, right? And my mom was physically abused till pretty close to her death. I mean, a couple of years shy of her death, but we acknowledged all of it. We've seen it all. Like, you know, I was, it was brutal. Um, you know, and that's why I can relate to Chris, you know, about these, these situations he's been put in in his childhood because I, I lived it, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't, ex, I don't express it much um, because I allowed, the thing is, is like, not that I don't express it much, is it doesn't emotionally affect me anymore because every time I would talk about it, it would emotionally affect me. Mm -hmm. Like I'd either get super ticked off or I would just shut down. Mm -hmm. So, and, and the, the crazy thing was, is like, God says, do you forgive this man? My mom's ex-boyfriend right and i was like yeah i forgive him and i kept believing that lie as well you know like yeah i forgive him i forgive him in my own mind i forgive him but in my spirit do i forgive him like do i literally do i feel like i can walk up to this guy and forgive him so me and christy were i think we we're just about to get engaged or just got engaged and i shared with her um this guy i, I shared with her of this situation that i would never forget about this one guy right and she went home and i went you know i went to bed 
And I had a dream of that very same night. And I remember getting stabbed in the side of the head. And I got stabbed on the, the right side of my head. And I remembered the whole night. And I woke up and I was like sweating. And I called Christy and I said, hey, like, remember that remember that dream I told you? Or remember that story I told you about this guy? And she said, yeah. And I was like, well, um, I had a dream about him last night. She was about what? And I said about the same thing. So God always comes to me in dreams and visions. Right. God would tell me something one way or another. He either goes through dreams nine out of ten. You know, he either goes through dreams. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. So what happened is we're driving up to her mom's house. She was up in like Coopersville, Ravana area. And we're driving up there and, and I was like, hey, I got to make a stop over here. She goes, we're already an hour and a half late. Like you shouldn't be stopping anywhere. Right. But like I said, we were just I, I believe we we're still engaged or we had just got engaged. So. So I'm going to stop over here real quick. And as I pulled over and got off on Hall Street and 131, I look over to my right. Man, that, that looks like that guy. So I rolled down my window and I was like, hey. And he looked at me and he goes, everything all right? And I, and I yelled out his name and he's like, yeah. And I jumped behind him and I drove all the way down Division. He was going down to Division in 28th. And I drove all the way down. We get up to like the Salvation Army. And it's like, hey, I was like, pull over. He goes, we got a problem. Like he was, he was scared, right? But picture being afraid of someone your whole life. Like he looked like this big old dude. You know what I mean? He looked like a big old dude that did a lot of damage. You know, did a lot of internal damage. Um, you know, emotionally and, you know, psychologically damaged. Um, so we go and pull over and he's like, um, who are you? And I, as I drove up behind his car and I said, my name is Jacob Sturgeon. This dude broke mm. and I got off and God had given me like two different scenarios. Like, how do I see him? He goes, how do you see him? Is what God told me. He goes, how do you see him? And I closed my eyes and God gave me three visions one vision was I wanted to pound this kid's head in or this guy's head in. I just did. Um, and I closed my eyes, you know, and I like stay close, closing my eyes, but it was only like three seconds. I got three visions in three seconds. I mean, whatever it takes to close your eyes and blink, right? So he says, now how do you see him? And I like, I wanted to fight. I did, you know, because he, he did that. You know, I wanted to do with him. I wanted to do to him what he did to me. And he's like, now how do you see him through me? And I opened my eyes and I just grabbed this dude and I gave him a hug and he started crying. He goes, you out of all people, I never feel like you would ever forgive me. And I was like, God forgave me, so I got to forgive you. And I just grabbed him and I love on him. And actually, um, I still talk to him to this day. You know, he's like, do you mind meeting my wife and kids? I mean, it's been 20 plus years mm -hmm. since that happened back then. It was like 25 years now or 30 almost. <laughs> But, yeah, so he got to the point where he's like, do you mind seeing my wife and kids? And his kids are grown. You know, his daughter was like 17, 18 years old. And I met his wife and I said, I'm proud of you, man. And I was like, just know that you're forgiven, man. Like, the guy that you once were, you're no more. And just let you know there's nothing between me and you. But the crazy thing was is I pictured this guy as a six-foot guy. When he got off of his vehicle, he was only 5'1". But as a little kid going through all that damage, 
I pictured this guy as a monster. Mm-hmm. But then I saw him through the through the lens of Christ and I saw him redeemed. You know, forgiven. So <laughs> Jacob, that, that's that's the closest I got to that. You know what I mean? Like, but that's <laughs> one thing that God just brought to my mind. But I, yeah, let me just <laughs> let me just pause for just a minute and just say thank you for sharing that story. Um, I know that there may be people that are listening right now mm-hmm. or even people in the future that would hear this that may have had a similar experience to you that have been abused in one form or yeah. another. Need, needing to hear the power of redemption that Jesus Christ offers and also the freedom that you have encountered and partnered with and walk with yeah. since your perspective had that shift in yeah. that. So I just wanted to say thank you, A, for being vulnerable and sharing that story um, and also just celebrating your willingness to be vulnerable in that in that area because mm-hmm. a lot of people you know may and, or may not want to be and i think the biggest thing with that is just like there is people out there that have went through this i mean i know because it's 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 common you know in, in abusive homes people get hurt so it's common i mean we not yeah. that we would not that we would want it to but it does but it's like the biggest thing is like begin to pray for these people mm-hmm. you know what i mean like these people that are hearing this stories that they begin to speak it over their life, you know, like speak that redemptive healing that, you know, they've been redeemed. They've been healed. You know, God is going to block out. Like literally the moment I forgave this dude, everything else behind it, every, every other scene behind it, that's the only one that I remembered. Everything else was washed away. Like I don't remember any other violent situation with this person, but I only remembered that one because that was the one that was effective towards me but that's the one that god was gonna be like i'm gonna bring this back to you one day you know like as a kid he told me you know they didn't tell me but left that as a reminder that i would bring he would bring it up to me one day so i would learn how to forgive yeah i appreciate you you sharing that thank you jacob um i kind of in in line with this is chris also talked about um keeping your eyes forward and focused on god and not looking back, yeah, kind of similar yeah, to what yeah. we were just talking about, right? And um, I think that this is, there is a, a Bible verse that that says, I will keep those in perfect peace whose mind stays on me, mm-hmm. focused on me, because clearly God knows what, you know, the tools and resources that Satan uses to try to distract us from doing the things and going into the calling that, um, that God, where God is calling us to go, right? Because if we focus on him, then that kind of over, over, um, overcomes Satan's resources. So, um, Nikki, do you have any thoughts about, um, what it would be like to, to keep your eyes focused on God and fixated on him instead of being distracted by all the, all the things that Satan may throw at you? (laughs) Oh, yes, I do, because I feel like, I mean, just to be totally real, um, the past couple weeks have been hard and challenging. Like, I have wanted to quit and, like, throw in the towel of all the things and um, just be like, you know what, I can't do this. This is just too hard. Like, I just want to be done. Um, But I know that's not in me. (laughs) 
to do to just do that like a part of me is just like i just want to can you just let me you know because i feel like i have all these things coming at me like i'm feeling you know that ver like you're pressed on every side and i just like i can't do this anymore but um but i'm just like no like i'm gonna keep my eyes focused on god and what he said about me the things that he spoke to my heart the things that you know, I feel like he brings people to my life to confirm those things. And, um, yeah, just keep him, keeping my eyes on him and not looking at the circumstances around me and letting the emotions of those things overtake me, I guess. Yeah. I like, I like that. Um, so, like, keep believing and persevering. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, like as hard as it may be where that moment you might want to quit, yeah. but persevere, push through, yeah. push through. It's like, you know, staying focused, you know what I mean? Like that's what I got in here, constant faith or consistent faith is just keep moving forward. I mean, every, you know, like like they say, you're on this road, the devil don't care. There's two ditches on each side. He don't care which one he gets you in. He just wants to push you off one way, you know what I mean? Or the other. Yeah. He's like, so you got to stay focused, stay moving forward. You know, it's like, look what happened with, um, was it like, um, with Gomorrah? What was it? Um, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you look back, you realize everything you left behind, but your heart stayed there. So the moment you do that, it's like, you stop allowing God to work on you because your mind is focused back there on what was good, what was what was easy what was easier mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it's like because to me i even like man i can i can drop everything that i'm doing right now go back to the life i was it'd probably be easier mm -hmm. you know but then it's like is it worth it yeah you know it's interesting <laughs> you know? it's interesting that you say that because there's um i've heard it i've heard it said before like um it's a trap it's just a straight up trap but um man we're always constantly seeking signs and wonders that we are on the right path, that we are headed towards heaven, that we are, you know, going where God has called us. And in, I can remember like being in my younger, my younger years when I really wasn't really following God all like with my whole heart, like feeling like, well, this relationship's not working. God must not want me to be in it. Mm -hmm. Or this job really is just, causing me wreaking havoc on my life it must not be where god wants me or like all of these other circumstances or things that were going on in my life that i was like well if god wanted me there it wouldn't be this challenging newsflash <laughs> newsflash um disciples went exactly where god called them to go and their path was not easy mm -hmm. um so I think that that's that's one of the things like we we want the easy thing mm -hmm. and we expect the easy thing and man imagine Satan has every reason to try to stop us from going where God has called us cuz imagine the the outcome of of the detriment that could happen with his with his kingdom. Did you have something you want to share? Well, as you're talking it's like it's making me <laughs> think of like the struggles I've been going through these past couple of weeks. And it's because I know that God is stretching me beyond my comfort zone. Yep. Doing this podcast is out of my comfort zone. <laughs> um, the, the ministry I'm involved with, 
out of my comfort zone. And so it's kind of the things I'm thinking about as you're talking, like, yeah, I mean, he, I feel like he just wants to distract me and deter me from what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm supposed to be doing it. And it's taking that step of faith and trusting that God's going to meet me there and guide me through it. Uh, it's going to be okay. He's not going to abandon me. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you have anything else you wanted to share, Jacob? I'm, I'm good on that one. Okay. So I just jotted some notes down and I can't see. So, <laughs> um, so it's hard with a thing. Uh, so when Chris was talking about like keeping our eyes forward and not looking back and staying fix it, fixated on him, it made me think of Isaiah 50 verse seven. And it says, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. And I know that I shall not be put to shame. And so I'm just going to read the thoughts I had. Um, next week, you know, we're starting a series called The Church on Fire. And I was like looking into this setting our face like flint. And what does that look like? You know, I, you know, we know what it means, but. When I did some more digging, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so good. So um, it said flint is a hard rock. And to set one's face like flint is a figure of speech implying a resolute determination. When struck against steel, a flint edge produces a spark to start a fire. Setting your face like flint implies that you're expecting some opposition to stand strong in the face of adversity. To set your face like flint means to regard these difficulties as worthwhile when you consider what they will lead you to. It means having the resolve to achieve the Lord's purposes. Jesus had countless opportunities to abandon the task he was set to complete, yet he was unwavering with every step he took. When he told his disciples of the suffering he was going to endure, they pleaded with him to choose an easier path, but he didn't listen. Jesus was steadfast in achieving his purpose until he said, it is finished. So, yeah, I just thought that was really good going into next week and, you know, staying focused on on him. Yep. Uh, and there, there's, you know, and something that I thought about as you were saying that is like, okay, so good things do happen, right? I mean, and it's like, oh, man, it's it's amazing. It's a miracle that this stuff happens. But it shouldn't be, like, we should be excited but not surprised, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we should be excited but not surprised because good things come to those who diligently seek him, right? So it's like as as we become, as, like, you know, a church on fire, as we're coming into this series, it's more like, if things are happening and things are lining up for you, it's because you're lining up with him. You know, God will give you the desires of your heart. Where, where's your desires? Because your desires have to line up with him regardless. You know what I mean? That's the only way you fulfill that. So it's like, if you're at, you know, like, you know, so Jay's like, Dad, so if I desire to have a million dollars, am I going to get it? Because it's <laughs> I'm like, well, do you think that lines up with God's word? He's like, no, absolutely not. I'm like, well, then probably not. You know what I mean? But it's like, you know, don't let it come as a surprise. 
you know, like I always tell people, like, you know, I tell people that I, that I work with and men, you know, mentor too, is like, don't let it by, come by a surprise when good things happen. Because if you're a child of the most high, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're um, adopted by the king. All those things are waiting for you. You know what I mean? It's just he's giving it to you at the right time. So when he gives it to you, yeah, be surprised or be excited, but not surprised. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Um, one other one other quick point that I just want to make is um, going back to the Israelites. When they finally crossed over into uh, into the promised land, one thing that God told them to do is to build a memorial, build a memorial so that you can tell future generations of the goodness of God and the promises fulfilled. So um, there was a, a story um, that there was a moment where this, this verse, this story in Joshua came, came to me because I was struggling with a physical illness and um, it, it was, it was supposed to last my entire life. And, but through the grace of God and the, and only through his, through his son, I was healed from that. And, um, I remember hearing right before I found out that all my testing came back negative and it was normal. Um, I remember hearing the verse build a memorial. And so what I did was I had this amazing vision of God showing me and telling me that I was healed and it was, I was set free from this thing. And so my version of building a memorial, was I went and hired an artist to paint the picture of what I saw in my head when God told me I was healed and then I was. So if you were to build a memorial to remind yourself of all the things that God has brought you through and the goodness of, of, of what he's done in your life, to remind yourself of how good he is and promises that are fulfilled, what would your memorial look like? Five little kids running around. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, I love that. Wife, you know I love I mean? that because I knew that, like before I before I came to know Christ, I was never gonna get married. <laughs> I wasn't gonna have any more kids. You know, stuff like that. But it's like, you know, like I look at that. And I'm like, man, God. Like, it, I mean, it, on a weekly basis. I mean, almost daily. I look at it. And I'm like, man, like these are my kids. Yeah. You know, this is my wife. This is my home. You know, we don't have much, but what we do have is enough. Yeah, you know I, I mean? love like, that answer, Jacob. You know, because mm -hmm. it's like, you know, even with, like I always tell the kids here, it's like our biggest job here as, you know, because I teach with the younger kids ages, um, what is it, first grade through, it's first grade through fifth grade. So I teach these kids, like, our jobs here is for you to know God, grow in God. Um, know, know God, go God, go in God, grow in God, and show in God. Like, that's our that's our biggest goal is like they would get to know him personally and grow in that and then show in that and then you know be able to go to other people in their neighborhood or to their schools because you know I mean you know how the schools are right now it's pretty hectic but like going in that so it's like you know with the you know like just like moving you're moving forward you know so it's like um yeah yeah what about you Nikki what would your memorial look like I guess the first thing I think of is just keep sharing my testimony, keep sharing with people the things that I've overcome. So for me, I'm and I journal a lot, so that go back and reread it and remember, but 
yeah, for me, it's just open my mouth. And I love that because the Bible does say that we overcome by the words of our testimony, mm-hmm. right? And by the blood of the lamb. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, I just first and foremost want to thank both of you for joining me tonight on this podcast. It's been such a pleasure to just kind of go deeper into Chris's message and just kind of keeping it real with testimonies and different things like that. We wanted to thank you all for joining us tonight. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this uh, this midweek podcast deeper. Um, please share it on your social media pages. Make sure you uh, rate the podcast. Make make sure you rate the DCC podcast on your favorite podcast social media plat- or podcast platforms. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can get notifications every time we have a new uh, podcast that uh, is posted to our channel. You guys have yourself a fantastic night tonight. See ya. Mm-hmm.